Hello and welcome to the Living Holistic Podcast. I'm your host, Gigi Febris Cordero. This week I share all about everything that's been going on since we last chatted here on the farm and in my personal life. I definitely get a bit vulnerable talking about uh, the difficult things that I'm dealing with and um, how hard it is sometimes to lean into the tools we have that support us like moving our bodies and breath work or meditation or our vitamins our you know food that nourishes us you know tending to the land these beautiful tools that support us but yet sometimes we tend to leave behind when we go into a difficult season or at least I do but the point of these tools is to support us during a difficult season and so I share about how I was reminded um, to pick up these tools and utilize them again and how my garden spoke to me and so many just wonderful things that have happened as a support during a difficult time. Um, one of the things I personally utilize a lot to support myself and my nervous system during difficult seasons, but really every day, are adaptogens. Adaptogens are a category of herbs that help us adapt They support our stress response via our HPA axis, our hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. And there's a bunch of different herbs that are considered adaptogens like ashwagandha, rhodiola, um, astragalus, urethro. And I actually have a blend called the Adapt Elixir that's in my online shop that is a beautiful blend of adaptogens that help support us every day. And you can pick up this blend with 10% off by using the um, code LIVINGHOLISTIC at checkout. So that's Living Holistic, just like the podcast. So Holistic has a W. And you can use this code when you check out to get 10% off the Adapt Elixir. That's going to be the product of this month. And I will be sharing a lot more about it as we move through the month, both here on the pod as well as on my Instagram. You can follow me there. It's Gigi underscore living holistic. So I love you guys. I really hope you enjoy this episode. It was really so nice to just sit down and reconnect and catch you up on everything that's going on. So let's get into it. Hello, hello, my friends, my loves, my darlings. Mm. How are you? How are you? It has been so long since I have sat down to talk with you guys. I only took one week off, but it feels like it's been a lifetime. (laughs) It truly does. There's been so much going on in my life. Um, So much of it just beautiful and so much of it really, really difficult and hard. And um, yeah, 
I've really been navigating what feels just like a roller coaster of emotions on a daily basis. Um, the farm has been so busy. We have had lots of big projects happening. Um, yeah, so I guess I will just catch you up on everything that's been going on and share a bit of my heart. And um, I have a feeling this will be quite a vulnerable episode today. Um, but yeah, I guess since the last time we talked, we, um, <clears throat> one of the biggest things that happens here on the farm every year, definitely the hardest thing that we do by far, yet there's still something so majestic, um, beautiful, just mind-blowing about it, and that is processing goats. So I won't go too deep into this because I know this can really be um, a trigger for some people and it's just really, really hard for some people to hear or to wrap their head around. Um, but here on the farm, we raise goats both for dairy. So we have our females that we raise um, for their milk. So it's amazing and so nutritious and such just a beautiful gift and a blessing. Um, and then we raise our males for meat. And we do um, two to three goats um, a year. And we do everything here from the ending of their life um, in a very ceremonial, very ceremonial way that really honors the beautiful animal and the life that lived and the sacrifice of the blood. Um, and we process the animal and we treat it with so much reverence and love and respect, of course. And um, this year is the first time Cesar and I have done it ourselves, um, just the two of us. So his parents did come um, later in the day, well, later in the morning, um, maybe like three or so hours after we started. Um, but it was the first time that just Cesar and I together have walked the goat out to where we um, perform everything and um, together took the life. And it was life-changing. It honestly was. It was one of the most intense experiences I've ever been through. Um, I've always been a part of the process to an extent, um, but he's always had someone else, um, another guy with him um, that handled most of the really hard stuff. Um, but this time I was all in and I cried. Oh, we both did. I mean, I'll be honest there. We both just cried over over him and um, over them, I should say, because we did too, um, and just honored them and loved them and continue to love them and um, appreciate the blessing of their meat. Um, for us, we would rather have a hand in the whole process 
than to just go to the store and buy meat that we know nothing about um, and that most likely didn't have the best life. Um, In some cases, some of these animals never even see the light of day. And we just don't agree with that. Um, You know, these animals are just such precious beings. And while we believe that they are here for us to partake in as a way to nourish ourselves, that doesn't mean that they're just a commodity. Um, They're still a life and they still deserve the best and they still deserve love and respect and honor just like anyone else's life, right? So um, we choose to do that and, you know, eventually we'll grow into what we can raise here. We are about to get pigs, so that's really exciting. We have already processed two pigs, but they're ones that we purchased from a neighbor that were already full grown, so we're excited to grow out our own Um, and just really, you know, make it our responsibility to provide for ourselves. Um, And with that comes the responsibility of taking on the deep, how do I even say this, the deep reverence and pain even that comes with ending a life um, to utilize it for food. So that was a couple weekends ago. Um, and it was a lot of really hard work, both emotionally and, um, physically hard work. Um, it took many days to, um, get that all. It it ended up being between both goats it came to I think 120 pounds of meat so it's a lot of work and we're still you know somewhat new at this and um Cesar's the one who actually handles the processing of all the meat and it takes time to do it right um to cut it all into the proper cuts and to package it properly and to clean it well and to do all the things really well um So yeah, so it took, I don't even know, four or five days before it was all um, completely put up and in the freezer. And since then, we've enjoyed um, a beautiful roast with the family. And I made this amazing um, lemongrass curry with some of the meat. Um, And with lemongrass, we grow here on the farm. So it's just... It's just another way of us to really appreciate and enjoy this land and all that it has to offer us. So that was a huge thing, Um, a huge undertaking and very exhausting at the same time. Um, And then a few days after we finished with that, my main squeeze over here, Floof, my big white fluffy cat, who has just completely stolen my heart. And um, (laughs) I hate, I feel like a mom who's like, I don't have any favorite kids. I love my kids equally. Um, But Floof has really become my favorite. (laughs) He really has. My poor, my poor Quincy Jones, my poor dog that the OG, 
I had him before I was married, before any of this. Um, of course, he's still the king. Um, but Floof has really just become the little prince of the farm. He's just got the cutest little personality. And he's so beautiful. And I'm just completely head over heels in love with him. <laughs> so he is an inside-outside cat. Him and his brother both are the first cats that we got um, shortly, real soon after we moved here. They were rescued um, by our sister's friend um, in downtown Atlanta during a thunderstorm. She woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and heard this meowing and went out and found them. And I think Floof was possibly already starting to drown maybe whenever they rescued, whenever he was rescued. He came to us with a um, respiratory infection. So I think he had definitely taken some water into his lungs um, during that. And it was just the two of them that survived that storm. And um, they knew we wanted, um, my sister knew we wanted cats for the farm. So they drove them down to us and they were still so young. I don't even know, maybe four or five weeks old. They were on formula. They were just these teeny tiny little poofs of adorableness. I mean, the cutest things I've ever seen. And um, Floof just always kind of had a weak constitution um, and he's, we joke that he's our problem child cause he's just, there's always something. He's definitely gone to the vet more than any of our other animals. Um, and he was starting to present a little sick. Um, his hair was falling off in chunks and he was losing a lot of weight. Like you could dramatically tell he was losing weight. And at first we just thought he was losing his winter coat. But then like these chunks of fur were coming out and it was like raw and sore underneath. And I was like, he really needs to go to the vet. And so we had planned to bring him to the vet, but we had had so much going on. Um, I was, I kept pushing it off, which I look back and think that was so dumb. Um, he should have been the priority, but it is what it is now. Um, and then one morning... We let him out because they come in at night. Since they're white, they really stand out <laughs> at night. And that leaves them to be very, um, you know, vulnerable to predators because we do live in a national forest. So um, we've got quite a bit of predators out there. Um, and more so, of course, in the evening time and air predators, you know, like hawks and um, owls, I guess, specifically can you know, really see them well at night and they'd be vulnerable to them. So we bring them inside. So it was early in the morning. It was still dark out, I think like 6 a.m. And I let them out. Um, and normally they go out for a little bit. And then um, when I go out to do chores or after chores, they normally come back in. Um, they love the milk from the goats. So they normally come in as soon as I'm done with chores so they can get their little um, bowl of milk. And Floof didn't come back in. And I didn't think too much of it because, you know, sometimes they don't they don't always follow the routine. Um, and then I had to go into town. I was going to go spend the day with my sisters. And so left for the day, went to my sisters and ended up not getting home till much later. 
and um, I asked Sessa when we got when I got home, like, have you seen Floof today? He's like, no, I haven't seen him at all. And I was like, well, that's weird. And then we were calling him to come in because um, he comes in in the evening. And once in a blue moon, they won't come in. Frank more often than Floof. Frank is very much um, more of like the hunter and just more of like a cat cat where floof is just floofy and prissy and (laughs) you know it's hard for some reason I feel like the name floof just encompasses his personality of course it also implies that he is fluffy and floofy um but he's just very like kind of aloof so maybe that's why I think floof um because he's just kind of aloof um but he has definitely spent a night or two out um and so Didn't think too much of it. Got a good night's sleep. Wasn't super concerned. And then Susser every morning. The times that they have that they don't come in in the evening, either one of them. Um, Frank normally won't come in because he stayed out after dark and found himself a mouse or a rat or something. And so he's going to be doing that for the rest of the night. Um, But and. All the times that they've not come home in the evening, Cesar wakes up at 4 a.m. every day and he'll go to the front door and open it and there they are. Um, they're, they're ready to come in. And that happened. He got up, went to the door. No floof. And I woke up and was like, floof? Is floof home? And he's like, no, baby, he's not. And I was just like, oh, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I got it in my head that he was really sick, sicker than we realized. And I don't know why I just have this fear that Floof isn't going to live very long. I've had it for honestly, as long as we've had him, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if it's because I got so attached to him that my heart is so scared of losing him. Um, I don't know why, but I've just got this thought in my head for ever now that he's not going to live very long. And I hate that thought, but I, uh, I was convinced he's sicker than we thought. I should have taken him to the vet. It's all my fault. And he's gone off somewhere to die. Cause I know that that's what cats do. Dogs do it too. Um, when it's their time, they'll just go and give themselves back to the earth. Right. And that's, I was convinced he's gone off to die. And I was devastated. <laughs> I'm going to cry right now thinking of it. And it's not even reality. <laughs> but I was devastated. And I could, I mean, I couldn't get out of bed. I was just, I spent the whole day just crying and sobbing and crying. And like, I'm never going to see him again. He's never coming home. And that night, all day, you know, I kept, I walked the whole property um, and I walked a portion of um, our neighbor's property that they go to all the time, um, like where I regularly see them. And there was nothing. And then um, around like 1130 or 12, Cesar shows up at home and I'm like, whoa, like what, what are you doing home so early? He's like, I couldn't like I couldn't stay there I couldn't focus um I'm gonna go walk through the forest and try to find 
our baby. I was like, okay. So he spent like two hours walking all around um, in the forest calling for him. Nothing. And I just was so broken and we just sat and held each other and cried and talked. I convinced Susser at this point that he's gone and he's never coming back and it's all my fault. I should have prioritized taking him to the vet. And um and then that night passed and I didn't sleep at all. I couldn't because at this point Floof had been sleeping with me for a while and the thought of like getting in bed and not having floof there just I couldn't stand it so I stayed on the sofa with the tv on and just like fell asleep for a while and then woke up and watched tv and then fell asleep for a while and woke up and watched tv and I was just I was broken I felt totally broken I was like I've had too much loss I can't do this I literally can't do this (laughs) And, um, woke up the next day and attempted to handle my life, (laughs) attempted to be a productive member of society. Um, and the hardest part was seeing Frank. Frank was so sad. He was crying, walking around crying for his brother. Like he didn't get it. Like, where's my brother? Why isn't he coming home? What's the deal? And um, Frank's not very affectionate. Like he has, he goes through spurts where he's like, okay, I want love now. You must give me love right now. But most of the time he's like, I'm cool. I'll sit over here. Like I'll be, I'll be with everyone, but like, you don't need to touch me. Like we're cool. Um, But Frank was like so sad and he wanted love like all the time through these days. And so him and I were sitting on the sofa and the weather happened to be really unseasonably cool. So I had um, the windows and the door was open and um, we're sitting on the sofa. Just, I'm just loving on him. There's no TV on, there's no music. It's just quiet. And I'm loving on Frank. And all of a sudden we hear this like really weird meow. It's like, wow, it was the weirdest sound. And I like look at Frank and Frank looks at me and I'm like, oh my God, is that floof? And we both jump up and go running outside. And here comes floof running in from the forest, announcing himself with this bellow of a meow. That's so weird. Like, mom, I'm home, mom, mom. (laughs) And uh, Frank goes running up to him. And I swear to you guys, they like hugged. Like if cats could hug, they were hugging. Like that's what it was. It was a straight up like front paws around him, like neck over the back of his neck, like Oh, it was so precious. And then like sniffing all over him. Like, where have you been, brother? Like, we missed you. We were so worried. And then Floof saw me and he takes off and he just runs straight into my arms. (sighs) And I bring him inside and he's just covered in all of these like scratches and cuts and sores. And, um, And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this is just thank god he's home he looks so bad 
And I just call Cesar immediately. And I'm like, he's home. He's home. You'll never believe it. He's home. And Cesar's like, what? What? Oh, my God. And he's just like crying. And I'm crying. And I bring him inside. And he was definitely dehydrated because he drank water for like 30 minutes straight. And um, he wasn't. He must have found food somewhere because he wasn't. He didn't like go straight for food. He just needed water. Um, And I gave him fresh food and everything. But he was like, no, he's fine. It's just the water. And then he slept for like a day straight. Um, so this was at like, I don't know, 11, 30, 12 on the third day he had been missing. And um, I immediately am like, we're going to the vet first thing tomorrow morning. So I loaded him up and poor guy, he was already, that was the other thing. You could tell he was somewhat traumatized. So because they're inside outside cats we don't have litter box um, but we have a litter box because we've had to use it at different times um, and we just use like pine shavings in the litter box instead of like litter so you can get it for so cheap at like um tractor supply yeah that's a store we regularly visit <laughs> as farmers but yeah I love me some tractor supply but anyhow so um you can get like a huge I don't know, like a hundred pounds or 50 pounds of it for like $4 at tractor supply. So, um, that's what we've done. So we have a big bag of pine shavings and I have this litter box and Cesar was immediately like, put the litter box together. Do not let that boy back outside. Like at least not until I get home. And I'm like, I'm not letting him back out for, (laughs) I don't know when, um, yeah, he still hasn't gone back outside, but, um, I think he will today. Um, (laughs) So I put his litter box together and he crawls inside his litter box and just like lays there. Like I think he felt safe there because he was confined. I could also tell that the, our female cats that mostly live outside were stressing him out some and they come in occasionally during the day, especially when the weather's nice and we have the windows and doors open, they kind of do what they want. Um, but I could tell they were really stressing him out. So I made sure they stayed out and I closed up the house and, um, let him really just rest and took him to the vet in the morning. And he, um, had a like systemic autoimmune situation happening. And what we believe to be the source of it is the topical flea medication. I was just getting him like generic over the counter from Tractor Supply. And he is so sensitive, my boy. <laughs> just my, He takes after his mama. I tend to be like that. I can be like really sensitive to really random stuff. Um but anyhow, so the vet was like, I definitely recommend you get him on a, like an oral um, flea prevention because this topical stuff you're putting on is like destroying his poor little skin. So I was, of course, like, OK, so he got a steroid shot. He got an antibiotic shot to help his wounds heal. And um, and we put him on the oral um, flea prevention and he is doing so much better. Most all of his sores have healed up. His fur is starting to grow in. The vet was so cute. He, she's like, hopefully after this, he'll look floofy again. <laughs> so I'm like, cause his name is actually Archie. So I'm in the vet and they keep calling him Archie. And it's just weird. Cause 
we've never really called him Archie, but that's what we named him because we didn't know him or his personality. And then Floof has just kind of evolved into his name. Well, it evolved pretty quickly. Um, so we just always refer to him as Floof. So I was at the vet and I was like, well, he actually goes by Floof. <laughs> like his legal name's Archie, <laughs> but he actually goes by Floof. I was like, I, she's like, really? And I'm like, well, he doesn't look very floofy right now, but I promised you he normally does. Oh man, poor floof. So he is doing so much better. And thank God my little boy came home because I am not kidding you guys when I say I honestly just don't think I could have taken that. <sighs> yeah. So that happened. It was super stressful. Um, and then we had a bunch of family in town and that was really so nice. Um, it really, we had, you know, we don't very often have young people here on the farm. Like none of my siblings had kids. Um, Cesar's siblings haven't had any kids. They're a bit younger. Um, but still old enough to have children. Um, and they definitely plan to, um, as far as I know, I'm pretty sure they do, but, um, they just haven't yet. So we don't have a lot of kids around and here Cesar and I are wanting to have like a whole village of children, but it seems God has another plan for that. Maybe, I don't know. We'll see. Um, and so having some young, people here on the farm was just so refreshing and so nice and having family and having Cesar's padrino, which is his godfather. He's also his blood uncle. Um, it's his dad's brother. And he lived with us years and years and years ago. Um, so we're very close and, um, yeah, it's a very close family. His Cesar grew up with his cousins, um, pretty much like siblings, so, um, yeah, it was just really nice to have a bunch of people here and to cook so much farm fresh food for them. I made, um, a turkey one of the days and I made a goat leg one of the days and just cooked a bunch of, um, farm fresh produce and, um, made fresh loaves of bread and just, it's fun to be able to like cooking is like a love language, right? And it's just really nice to be able to, um, share the bounty of this land and prepare it with love for the people that you love. It's just, there's something really special about that. And so it was really nice having everyone here. Um, but I also got a bit triggered <sighs> in the realm of conception and fertility. And that was really difficult for me. And I've been really optimistic, um, about everything, about us conceiving, you know, we got our labs back that our hormones looked great. And we know if we don't conceive naturally by July or August, we'll go to Mexico for IVF. Like we have a plan in place, but sometimes things just happen and triggers happen. And that happened to me. Um, just certain things were said that really made me just question it all again and 
feel bad for myself again and not understand why it has to be like this and why it just can't be simple like it is for so many people. Um, and that just really, yeah. So this was last weekend that the family was here and then everyone left Sunday. Um, I went to the market to work and then when I, by the time I got home, everyone had gone and you know, I've talked about this before. I also get really sad at endings, any endings. Half the time when the sun sets, I get super sad because the day's over. Like, it's so silly. But I get really sad about endings. And so whenever there's a bunch of people here and then everyone leaves, I always get really sad. So I was dealing with that, but also just this feeling of like, why can't, why can't we have children? Like, the life that I want here on the farm. Like, yes, I feel so blessed to have this and to be able to spend my days tending to the land and taking care of my animals and and literally just like living my best life. But I want to do that with babies. I want to raise children in this life. You know, I have, I feel silly some days being like, I mean, yes, I have a business that I'm working as well. And I see clients and I do a lot of other things besides just tend to the land, but, or just stay home. But some days I feel like I'm this stay at home person for like, what? Like I'm not a stay at home mom. I guess I'm a stay at home farmer. I don't know. (laughs) But I just so desperately want to be a mom, you guys. Like, oh, I'm going to cry. It's just, it weighs on me. Oh, and something about having everyone here and having the kids here just triggered this in me. And I was so sad. Like, Monday, I was so sad. I was just so sad. And it's also coming up, which we'll get to on um, Easter Sunday, which is the last day I saw my mom. So I was already just in this really heightened place. And, you know, there's just a lot. Like, the 25th of April is the one year of her passing and then May 4th is her birthday and then we have Mother's Day and it's just it's a lot and so um I'm still grieving you guys I'm still so deeply grieving sorry (laughs) so I was I didn't even want to get out of bed on Monday I was so sad and I called my sister my sweet sister I'm so blessed to have her Jimmy my sister, Jimmy, I have quite a few sisters, so I guess I should clarify. Um, and I called Jimmy and I'm telling her and I was like, what sucks is like, nobody gets it. Like I can talk to you and I can talk to my friends and I can talk to my therapist, but nobody knows what it feels like to be in my position to want kids more than anything in the world and to feel like you're broken because you can't make it happen and there's something wrong with you and to feel empty, like literally empty. And I was like, there's nobody in our circle. There's nobody in the family that I know of. Like I do have one girlfriend um, that I used to work with who's going through something similar. And so I've most definitely scheduled a date with her so we can sit and talk. So I can talk to somebody who understands a bit more. But my sister was like, 
why don't you find a support group? She's like, I know it feels like you're alone, but there's so many, so many women out there going through this. And I know that. And it's funny. I was like, wow, a support group. Like my mind was blown. Like, why didn't I think of this? I'm like, I've gone on Instagram (laughs) and searched hashtags and like tried to find other people that way. But I never thought to join a support group. Um, And nowadays everything's so virtual, right? And so I did. So I'm so grateful for Jimmy for bringing that up to me. I haven't um, been to a meeting yet. Um, There's only one a month. It's the second Thursday of the month. So um, next Thursday, it's um, at 5 p.m. And so I found it. It's local to my area, but it's still virtual. And I um, had to apply. So, you know, not just anyone can jump into the group. And, um, and of course, was accepted and have been corresponding back and forth with the um, curator of it. And, um, and I'm going to attend the first meeting. Um, so that I think will be super helpful. So I could talk about these things and these triggers and these feelings um, with people who understand and who knows what it's like to have someone say like, oh, just keep trying. It's going to happen any time now. Or, oh, don't worry, just relax. Or, oh, I was fine. You know, I drank alcohol all, you know, up until I got pregnant. Like that didn't affect me or just these things that people say without thinking. Um, and it's really hurtful. Um, but they don't realize it because they're not thinking and you know, it's hard to be mad at people for just not thinking sometimes or not knowing their audience before they speak. Cause I know that I've been that person a lot, I'm sure. Um, and people don't, they're not malicious by nature. They don't mean to hurt your feelings. They just think that they're being positive and uplifting. And, you know, sometimes you just don't want to be positive. Sometimes you want to sit in your shit and, uh, and talk about it. (laughs) So, um, yeah. And then the stuff with my mom. And so what I've really found is you guys, like I've really been struggling. I've been struggling a lot. And, um, and a part of me has, has reverted back to some old patterns and habits and, Um, using alcohol as a means of coping. I, um, I've definitely done that more times than I'd like to admit over the last couple weeks. And, um, I had hit me yesterday. A few things hit me yesterday. Um, I woke up really sad yesterday morning. The closer it gets to Sunday, the, the sadder I seem to be. And then Oh yeah, this part too. On top of all of this, my dad <laughs> Excuse me. My dad went into the hospital. Um so he's been having these episodes where he um gets really dizzy and blacks out and passes out and falls. Um he cracked a rib at one point. And um yeah, it just it hasn't been good. And so he went to the doctor and the doctor was like, 
they could be one of many of these different things. So here's seven different specialists that you should go schedule an appointment with. Like, seriously? So he was frustrated. I was frustrated. So he goes home. And then the next day he passed out like two more times. And so he calls the doctor and is like, look, this is what's happening. Like, we need to solve this problem. I can't be going to see seven different doctors. And then the doctor was like, um, you need to check yourself into the hospital. Like, you need to go to the hospital right now so we can figure out what's going on. So that's what happened. And, um, yeah, you guys, it's a lot. It's all just, it's a lot. And on top of it, my person, my best friend and I are not in a good place. And, um, you know, it's not all my story to share. So I definitely won't go into detail with that, but it feels on my side like she's quit on this relationship and on me. And I'm used to having this person that I can talk to and that I can vent to and that can help me and give me support and love and understanding and hold space for me. And I don't have that right now. So all these things come together and it's just really hard. And um, it's just, it's hard to show up. It's hard to know the right thing to do. It's hard to do anything sometimes. And, uh, and so I have picked up these old patterns of, I'm really good at using the tools I have to take care of myself well when everything's going well. But I have this pattern of forgetting them all and just dropping them all and forgetting to eat, forgetting to move my body, use, you know, picking up alcohol way too much, you know, like drinking copious glasses of wine at the end of the day, um, or even sometimes midday, depending on how bad the day is. Um, and I just, I get so frustrated. Why am I back here? I really thought I moved past so much of this. I really thought I had put the in the work that made me be able to sit with my feelings instead of try to suppress them. Um, I thought I put in the work so that I'm able to pick up the tools when I need them. Why do I put them down when I need them the most? That just makes no sense. And so yesterday it just, it hit me like, Gigi, what are you doing? This is so silly. This is the time that you need to lean into these things. This is the time to roll out your yoga mat. This is the time to make a big pot of beautiful tea with, you know, like Tulsi and chamomile and herbs that are going to support your nervous system and support you. And this isn't the time to stop taking your adaptogens and to stop taking your vitamins. This is the time to lean into them. This is the time to make a big nourishing pot of soup. This isn't the time to stop eating and then end up eating Taco Bell, which I did. (laughs) 
the, that Tuesday that Floof had been missing and I swore he wasn't coming home and Sester came home early around like three o'clock. I was like, I haven't eaten anything today. Will you take me to Taco Bell? <laughs> Just crying. So bad, you guys. So bad. Like the whole point of this practice, this whole the whole point of what I do and what I teach women of these tools that we have to support us. The whole point is so when life goes to shit, we have something to lean on, to lean into, to hold us up. And why when I need it the most do I drop it? So, yeah, so it hit me yesterday. I want to look back on this time and be proud of myself because there's definitely been big life moments, big, hard, really hard shit that I've gone through in the past. And I can look back and be like, wow, I did that well. I handled that with grace. And there's a lot of other times that I look back and go, wow, gee, you could have done a lot better. And I want this to be a time that I look back and go, wow, gee, you did really good. I'm proud of you. And the honest truth is leaving those things by the wayside, by forgetting to take my supplements, by not eating, by drinking alcohol, by not taking my herbs, that does nothing to support me in getting pregnant. It does the opposite. It does the opposite. Why would I do that? Why would I sit here and throw a pity party that, I, that I'm not pregnant and do a bunch of shit that increases my likelihood of not becoming pregnant? That makes absolutely no sense, y'all. That's so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. And uh, yeah, so... So I'm standing in my kitchen and I have these thoughts, right? And I'm like, I ju- it just sucks. Like I wish, I wish I had my person to talk to. And, uh, and I was looking out at the garden and it's literally like the garden as a whole spoke to me. I'm not even kidding. I was just looking out the window at the garden, which is popping off right now you guys like my garden is I wish I could like take you into my garden right now and you could like see it (laughs) but my garden as a whole spoke to me and said it's okay if you don't have a human person to lean into you can lean into us you can lean into me we're here We're here to support you. We're here to love you. We're here to nourish you. We're here to ground you. We're here to hold you. We're here. Lean into us. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. (laughs) That's what I'm doing. My garden, I think out of all the seasons now we've grown here, which I guess would be like five. Because we've only lived here almost three years, but 
we get two seasons a year. So we get like the fall garden and the spring garden goes into the summer. Um, and the first year we just had the spring garden and then we've had two years of fall, spring, fall, spring, I guess maybe this would be the fourth. I don't know. I think the, I don't know. Something like that. It's the fourth or fifth garden in this place. And it is definitely by far my favorite. It is just, yeah, I'm just in awe of it. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. (sighs) So I'm leaning in to this land and to the garden. I'm picking back up the tools. And that's the thing, you guys, like shit happens, right? Life kicks us when we're down and we're, we're human. We forget. We forget to feed ourselves and instead drink a bottle of wine. We forget to move our body and instead lay on the sofa and zone out to TV. We forget. But the thing is, is once we remember, we just pick it back up and we keep moving. And that's all we can do. We can't blame ourselves. We can't be mad at ourselves. We can't shame ourselves. And we shouldn't because we're human. And this life is hard. It really is. But it's so fucking beautiful too, man. It is so beautiful. So uh, I leaned into the garden yesterday and spent a lot of time out there. And then I got dressed and I drove into town and went to the hospital and spent the afternoon with my dad in the hospital and they finished all the different tests. That's the thing. Those seven specialists, he got to see within 24 hours at the hospital instead of like a week or I mean a month of going to all these different doctor appointments. So I really think it was for the best that he did that. And we're still waiting on majority of the results, but everything looks good. That's the thing with my dad is he looks so healthy on paper. They can't find anything wrong with him, but He's having these episodes. I think a lot of it is dehydration and not eating and drinking too much wine. He's, I clearly get it from somewhere. (laughs) Right? How silly is that? All the things that I do and I'm sad. Um, Definitely got that from somewhere. So he's, he's still deeply grieving. I mean, I know how much I'm grieving and... I didn't lose my partner of 43 years like he did. I think sometimes he's still even in shock and he's really struggling to just take care of himself. And it's hard for me being an hour away, like how involved am I supposed to get? And you know, he's a dude, he's a man. He's, he doesn't want someone being like, okay, have you drank all your water today? Like how much have you eaten today? So I have to do it in a way that's very like nonchalant. Um, but I told him, I'm like, I'm going to get you a water bottle that, you know, like, okay, I need to drink like two of these or three of these. Um, someone told me that as an idea. I'm one of my girlfriends. 
I can't remember who. But anyhow, um, so I think that's what I'm going to do. And just keep an eye on him and, you know, call and check up on him. And I go see him at least once a week and all that. But I got to take him home last night. And uh, he's like, can we go out to supper first? Like, can we go have a nice meal? So I said, of course, daddy. So we stopped at a restaurant on the way home and had a nice little supper together. And, um, and then I brought him home and uh, it felt nice to, uh, to be able to bring him back home and to spend time with him. And it's just, it's interesting. It's really interesting. This whole process with parents when they age and, uh, it's, uh, you know how they say, like, when you have kids, there's no handbook. You know, you're just figuring it out. It's the same shit when your parents get old. Like, there's no handbook. You don't know what the hell to do, how to take care of them. It's hard. It's really hard. So, um, yeah. That's where I'm at, y'all. This Sunday, um, it's not going to be easy. We're actually... Um, Every summer we'd spend at the beach growing up. We had a condo on the beach and my mom and my sisters and I would spend the summer at the beach. And um, that would be my dad's opportunity to like redo the floors or paint whatever rooms my mom wanted repainted. Like he'd stay home and work on the house. He didn't want to go be in the small condo with a bunch of women. (laughs) He wanted the house to himself. Um, And a lot of times our like aunt and cousins would come stay with us. And my mom would always make peach cobbler every summer, at least once, maybe even two or three times. And um, and that was just always the summer treat. Like peach cobbler makes you think of the summer with vanilla ice cream. And shortly after she passed, it was peach season um, like it is now. And so um, I made, I went to a local peach farm and got a bunch of peaches and I made a peach cobbler. My mom always bought the crust, like the Pillsbury um, pie crust that you get at the store. But of course, me being the little homesteader that I am, I was like, well, I'm going to make my crust from scratch. So I did that and made this peach cobbler for Cesar. And he was like, what the hell is this? This is the most amazing thing I've ever had. Like, why have we never made this before? He was like, yeah, in awe. So (laughs) he came up with this idea, which was really sweet. But I also think this is just his way to get peach cobbler, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) But it was a super sweet sentiment and like, you know, thing to idea to have. So he's like, you know, Sunday's going to be really sad for you, I know. But why don't we go to one of the peach farms on Saturday and get a bunch of peaches and we can make a peach cobbler in honor of your mom. So that's what we're going to do this weekend. And um, we're going to keep planting. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing we have going on. We're planting a a fruit tree orchard is what we're calling it right now. But the plan is to turn it into a food forest. Um, so I guess this is the start of our food forest. But we're planting like 18 um, fruit trees right now. Um And yeah, so we'll keep planting 
the trees this weekend and make peach cobbler and I'll probably make a goat something and I will most certainly drink wine. I know it's going to happen. So I'm giving myself that, um, that break, you know, but I'm also going to move my body and I'm going to take my vitamins and supplements and I'm going to make good, healthy food and I'm going to eat the good, healthy food and I'm going to do all the right things, but I'm also going to have a little wine. So that's where, that's where I'm at with that y'all. I just want to encourage you, if you're going through a difficult season, lean into these tools that we have. Lean into our plant allies that are here to support us through this. Lean into the garden. Lean into nature. You know, we are not any different than nature. We are created out of the dust. We are created out of the sun, moon, and the stars. We are created out of the soil and the trees and we are nature we are not separate from it let it hold you let it take care of you the way it was designed to do you know remember to take your vitamins and drink your bone broth or you know make a nice hearty nourishing soup or stew Um, you know, do some yoga, do some breath work, sit in meditation. I know it's hard. I know it's hard, but they're, it's here for a reason. It's here to support us when we need supporting, which I know I'm not alone in going through a difficult season. So lean into those things. You can always reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you or give you ideas of things, herbs or um, food or movement that can really support you and what you're going through. I'm always here. And um, my purpose on this earth is to be of service to my community. So lean into that. Lean into me. I'm here. (sighs) I love you guys so much. I'm so grateful for this opportunity, for this time to be able to sit down and talk to you. It's almost like my own little version of therapy. It really is. Um, I always feel so much better when I'm done recording a pod episode. And I'm so grateful for this. And um, yeah, I'm so grateful for my garden. I'm so grateful for my garden, you guys. I really think I'm going to film a little garden tour for YouTube. It's been so long since I've done a YouTube video. And I really feel the calling. So stay tuned for that. I will definitely let you know um, when that happens. If that happens, we'll see. (laughs) Oh, you guys. I love you so much. I hope you have such a lovely Friday and a lovely weekend. And, um... Yeah, I will be back to chat with you more next week. Love you. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Living Holistic Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, I ask that you please follow, rate, review, and share with anyone else you feel would also enjoy. The Living Holistic Podcast will be back again next week.